0: You hit that guy. He shouldn't have been standing. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Well, I'll him, but I don't think he'll be very
1: keen. Uh, he's already got one, you see?
0: Welcome back once again to Gag Reel, the unasked for, unnecessary podcast where we analyze comedy, film, and television, hopefully for your enjoyment. I am your host, Ryan and I am joined once again by Will Tippy Top, my Damey. How you doing, Will? Satay. Now, I uh,
1: I hope they enjoy it too. But also, like, if someone out there is listening out of like sheer hatred, I appreciate you too. As long as you
0: listen to all the episodes. Yeah, that's true. Make angry comments because that sounds funny to read. That, that that does.
1: Especially if you make angry comments about something we say at the end of the episode. Like you listen to the whole thing, and mm. then you still felt the need to
0: give an angry comment. I appreciate that. <laughs> but how you doing, Ryan? Um, I'm good. I hadn't seen Pootie Tang in, all the way through in a long time, but I'm excited to talk about it in, in the context of nowadays, mo- modern day times. This yeah. is such a bizarre comedy. It didn't take you very but, long, um, man. It's very short very weird it pretty
1: much wraps up at the one hour and eight minute mark
0: yeah it has a very long credit sequence and like funny gag reel kind of thing at the end that just keeps going yeah and then a music video at the and end <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, with the like tlc-esque band yeah that they found i'm
1: excited to talk about that aspect of the movie
0: yeah obviously it looks like we can't stop ourselves over here yeah uh, I, I don't have a kind of, a, you know, a swank, interesting um, way to introduce this movie. If you're here, then I'm assuming you've seen Pootie Tang and you know if its bizarre kind of, I don't know, it's a, it's just such a weird comedy. And I have a lot of thoughts that I, I'm ready to get to if you are, Will. Yeah, 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 please go on. All right, well, without further ado, let's get to the Pootie Tang. Hi. this
1: summer, oh! meet a superhero like no other.
0: Pootie Tang's one bad brother, man. Pootie Tang with your butt so bad that you can write it off on your taxes. That's Since the inception of Pootie Tang's ad campaign, sales are down... Well, I 100%. have... I wasn't expecting me. to have as many thoughts as I, I do this time around uh, watching Pootie Tang. This was just... It was kind of just a throwaway idea of like, oh, crap, we got to talk about a movie. Um, we didn't really have much in the chamber. And it was like, you know what? We know Pootie Tang, all right. And I, I don't know. Maybe I've just never looked at it through, like trying to kind of analyze it. But it just I have so many questions about this movie. It's like one of the few comedies I could think of that's um, like equally bad, but also kind of good it, it's the good bad that you get in like b schlocky action films it's that same kind of feeling i get of like i'm enjoying this but probably on an unintentional and intentional level from the creators oh yeah but um i'm excited uh, to hear your your thoughts on this booty tang viewing well
1: yeah that, that's that's kind of the weird part is like when it's bad it's like a cringy kind of why am i enjoying this this is awful kind of funny and then but then there's moments of truly solid comedy and it's just baffling when it when they uh, go back and forth like that i kind of uh i'm kind of at a, at a at a at a loss on this movie i but i just it's 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 like an unintentional form of anti comedy in a way that even tim and eric could never have been able to <laughs> come up with you know off of their heads it, it it's it's just this film uh, these elements of filmmaking incoherence that can meld together to create this bizarre mess of a movie that somehow the mess itself makes it funnier oh yeah it's like it, it it's it's obvious that the people compiling all of this footage to turn it into a movie had no idea who the target audience for their movie actually was yeah, I'm actually, I'm
0: surprised with how coherent of a kind of style it aimed for at least, mm-hmm. even though like the jokes, like the way they sell the jokes are really all over the place, but they really landed and uh, it, at least it's clear what they were going for in this kind of black exploitation spoof through the editing. Yeah. I think that that in a lot of times killed a lot of the comedy, but I'm just surprised with kind of how cohesive they'd put all of this nonsense together in a way I don't know cuz yeah. a lot of the shots are awkward like I think we should just kind of dive into really quick um you know usually we would put this at the end of the show in the like how is it aged kind of thing and we'll probably do a separate how is it aged but I want to address head on it, first thing um that Louis CK what was the writer director of this even yeah. though the, the film was kind of taken from his hands, yeah, uh, eventually by the studio. But yeah, we have to acknowledge that uh, Louis C.K., kind of a gross man, we have learned. Yeah, it's
1: kind of a uh, difficult subject to bros. I definitely don't want to, like, I don't want any of the praising of this film to come off as callous to any people that were victimized by the guy. But I exactly, mean, luckily, exactly. he disowns the film and had very little to do with the final cut. Um, so there's
0: definitely that. Yeah, I, I mainly bring it up because uh, I, I think it the story of, of him and this movie being like stripped from him shows like how much of an identity crisis this film mm-hmm. has. Exactly.
1: And, and, you know, like there's also the fact that, you know, like there, there there's stuff I want to talk about and there's aspects of this movie that I really enjoy. I wanna t- I'm, I'm, I'm here to talk about this movie. I want to talk about this movie. And to not do so because of one asshole behind the scenes, regardless of how instrumental he may have been, really detracts from the dozens of other people that did no, n- like
0: nothing wrong and worked their asses off on making this movie. And I think like, uh, if this would have just... if I feel like if there would have been different players here, this movie wouldn't have been... It, it wouldn't have worked. If if Lance Crawther wouldn't have been Booty Tang, I don't know who could have been. Uh-uh. He It seems like he genuinely believes this nonsense that he's saying. Yeah. Also, Chris Rock playing all these different characters, even though sometimes they don't work so well. I feel like it does make this weird kind of stylish goo uh, glue that puts this movie together. Exactly. And JB Smoove's narration, it, it like actually got gives genu- genuine laughs out of me. Like uh, where I'm on the side of the comedy, and I'm not just laughing at the bad filmmaking. Yeah.
1: Like, there are moments where I feel like it's a little heavy-handed, but then at the same time, like, there are other moments where the heavy-handed just makes it even funnier.
0: Yeah, like uh, like him remembering that Pootie's yeah. in the farm or just that very drawn-out gag of him talking about how excited he is yeah. to go to the farm and then immediately changing his mind. Like, it was a predictable joke, but JB's move sold it. He, he, he sells all of us, even though, like, he doesn't have a lot of, like, straight-out,
1: like, uh, besides the narration, because I feel like... They just kind of, because the, I'll go into it in a little while, but I mean, the narration was an ad hoc narration. Like, it it was put together, like, in the editing bay. They needed some way to compile the movie, so they had him come in and do narration similar to a Harrison Ford Blade Runner situation.
0: Except it actually made the movie better.
1: Yeah, and I feel like he just improved his way through the footage. It's just like, mm-hmm. just the way, because like, there was one joke that he repeated in an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I feel like there's no way that somebody wrote that for him and then he took it. Like, that's just a, an improvisation from uh, JB Smoove that he just, it just pops into his head from time to time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's just using the word rejuvenated and then talking about being juvenated and then juvenated again.
0: I was adopted by some lovely Jews. (laughs) And you were bar mitzvahed? Oh, yeah, yeah, three times. The last time was a few months ago in Atlantic City. Yeah, but I thought you only got bar mitzvahed once. You know, when you're 13 years old. No, 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 you misunderstood. What? It's once every 13 years, you know? You got to recharge the mitzvah, so you always keep your mitzvah kind of full at capacity. Capacity, uh, uh, mitzvah capacity. Woody was loving every minute of it. He was rejuvenated hear that rejuvenated he was juvenated before lost it and got juvenated again Rejuvenated.
1: but i feel like i i have a feeling he just straight up improvises way through all of the narration and that works and then like when he's just in the movie he doesn't get a whole lot of funny stuff but him just being there like that one scene whenever he's just dancing for three minutes straight just doing goofy dances it's funny uh-huh
0: it, it is i agree I got a question for you. What's up? Is Pootie Tang as a character, is he one of the most interesting, like, of the comedy world? Because we we had a lot of these like larger than life characters in the early two thousands. You got Ron Burgundy. I guess let's throw Joe Dirt in there. Zoolander. Um, I'm trying to. I I feel like this this was kind of. Like this, I, it's not a subgenre, definitely. But there was these like kind of larger than life comedy leads, and I feel like Pootie Tang and his accomplishments, it, he might be up there as a number one.
1: That's a good. That's a good topic. I I never thought of it like that, but I now that I'm thinking about it, there were a lot of movies with yeah absurd lead men. It was kind of like a. A point in time wherever they were trying to take back the concept of having a normal guy being the main character and letting everybody else around them be weird. It's like, what if we made the lead the weird guy? mm mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. And he may take the cake.
0: Like, Ron Burgundy has mystical jazz flute powers, but other than that, he's just like a hero of San Diego.
1: And an idiot, uh, yeah. He may take the cake because Puri Tang is not only an enigma... He's unforgettable. In a movie as messy as it is, the character itself just kind of, even in like the really slapdash editing of the action sequences, you're just like, damn, that Mm. is Pootie Tang.
0: He stands out. There are some moments where I kind of like the editing of this movie. Like when he first enters, Like there, it's like this really dumb drug deal. That was one of my favorite moments because I can't even figure out if- The way they speed up and show up, like,
1: yeah, his dancing. I can't even figure out if he's straight up like in the boxes, like his whole car is hiding in the boxes <laughs> or uh-huh. if he just drove up. It, the way it's edited is hysterical because it just left me thinking like, wait, was he undercover? underneath the boxes with the car running or how did that work <laughs> and then it just stops that he does this weird like dance that it's like and everybody knows who he is then,
0: and then he it's the first time that he stares right down the lens and does one yes. of his booty isms and they always do like such a hard jump cut to him doing that Mm-hmm. that i kind of love it it's a character for the ages <laughs> I wish we would have gotten more like just dumb kind of sketches like him and his song. But uh, because other than that, you don't really get a clear like sense of like, you know, uh, why do people love this guy so much other than just his the way he talks?
1: Yeah, but I feel like the enigma is part of the quality that makes it extra funny. I mean, like you get him as a little kid and the lady's throwing all her her, his toys out the window Mm -hmm. It's just the way he talks that just mesmerizes people, I guess.
0: It, maybe it was a budgetary thing, or maybe just lack of ideas. But I feel like because they made this character so huge, and it just it, yeah, anything he does, apparently people love. I, I feel like they could have done more with that and had more sketches. Oh
1: yeah, they they absolutely could have.
0: But uh, I I want to learn a little bit about how this was made. That way, then okay. we could uh, dive deeper into just the weird moments that work and don't work. Yeah.
1: So, um, as I was going to say, as you know, but more than likely you don't know, this is a weird enigma of a movie that, that some people talk about, but not all, a lot of people talk about, um, Tang originated on the HBO late night talk show, the Chris Rock show on that show. Uh, Chris Rock would do sketches and stuff like that. And, um, so this character, Originated out of that, um, Louis C.K. had an idea about a guy who was so cool that he doesn't even speak English. The sketch would be an interview where Chris Rock would sit down with the guy and he would just say complete nonsense and Chris Rock would just buy it and keep on chatting. Uh, one of the sketches like that is uh, up on YouTube if you type in Pootie Tang Chris Rock Show.
0: Now, Pootie Tang on my show. It is so good to see you, Pootie Tang. You, you must be doing a promotional tour or something. Yeah. Now, Pootie, I was wondering, what happened to you down by the Cuddy Style?
1: Oh, Chris, uh, that that Cuddy Style beat was bullshit, all right? I was just down there, you know, tying
0: in a cloud.
1: Just kind of see, it's basically the exact same situation as uh, the back and forth at the beginning and end of the movie of Pootie saying where he's talking with uh, Bob Costas. And uh, he'll just like it's just him saying nonsense and Chris Rock just, you know, keeping on chatting like like he's actually talking. Um, He wrote the sketch and uh, handed it to Lance Crother, who was uh, a fellow writer on the show. Uh, He was not a performer at the time, Um, but he made the idea really funny when he read it out loud. Um, Chris Rock wasn't sure about the sketch, but he put it in the, you know, like in the re- rehearsal list, uh, for every show they would rehearse about five different sketches and then pick one of them that would air. It was, uh, rehearsed, but not put on the air for four weeks until one show, the sketch they had picked just was not going to cut it. So at the last minute they replaced it with Pootie Tang. They threw Lance Crowther into some crazy clothes and glasses and threw him on stage. Within two minutes, the entire audience was chanting the name Pootie Tang and eating it up. Pootie Tang was huge on the Chris Rock show. They uh, they didn't do another one for a whole year, and it ended up uh, it ended up the uh, Chris Rock show ran for five seasons, and they usually ended up doing about one Pootie Tang sketch per year. And um, in the very first uh, interview that Chris Rock did with him. Uh, he was promoting his movie Sign Your Pity on the Runny Kind. And so it became like this running joke amongst themselves, like uh, someday they would actually make a movie about Pootie Tang. And uh, at one point, they did one sketch where it was an E True Hollywood story parody, where they went through like the whole story of Pootie Tang. And uh, at that point, um, As a half-joke, half-experiment type thing, um, Louis C.K. went off and wrote an entire script. Now, keep in mind, this first script was very different than the final picture. It was extremely violent, Pootie had guns, and everyone was fighting all the time. Uh, Raw and nasty is what it was referred to as. Um, So he wrote it, showed it to Chris Rock, who read it and said, that's crazy, and then they subsequently forgot about it. Um, A few years later, after the Chris Rock show ended, he was helping Chris Rock with the film Down to Earth at Paramount when the producers asked if he had anything kicking around. He handed them the script to Puditang and they said, let's do it. (laughs) Initially, it was going to be produced by their independent division, Paramount Classics, with a budget of $2 million. And uh, they were given a decent amount of creative freedom and everything was going well. But as it was being developed, Paramount started to become interested in the film as like, wow, this could be a moneymaker. So they took it from Paramount Classics and moved it to their primary division and took it as a straight-up Paramount tent pole, upping the budget along the way to $4 million. And uh, them upping the, the budget to $4 million subjected the film to way more scrutiny, and they demanded that the movie be rewritten to a PG-13 package uh, because they wanted it to be the Black Austin Powers. This turned... The character of Pooty into the one we see on screen, uh, champion for kids who fights with a magic belt as opposed to guns. Uh, Louis CK did not find that a problem. He was kind of excited about making it more family friendly because, yeah, this could be entirely different uh, and this could be an interesting challenge. And everything did seem to be going well until the film was finished and uh, turned into the studio for editing. Suddenly, the film that was handed to them and the film that they wanted were two very different movies. Like I said, they were looking for an Austin Powers, but for black people. Uh, What they got was messier, and according to CK, had a little more grit as opposed to the brightly lit, easy, punchy comedy that they wanted. At first, they felt there was no way to fix the movie, so they intended to shelve it and pretend it never happened. It was only $4 million, so it would they just uh, write it off as a loss and move on. But Chris Rock stepped in and said, let me try. He got other people involved, helped them find an editor, brought J.B. Smooth back in to do narration, and ultimately did everything it took to make the studio happy enough with the movie to release it. Then they went ahead and, yeah, mar- marketed it and... Stuff like that. The film that came out and the film that Louis C.K. made are two entirely different entities. He wanted a movie that was weird for the sake of being weird without a narrator pointing out how weird it was along the way, where Pootie can cry over a stalk of corn not growing, and it would be a dramatic moment rather than a moment where J.B. Smoove makes light of how weird it is that Pootie is crying over the corn. He wanted it to be a real movie, that just happens to be absurd but what we ended up getting as as we were talking about is an insane patchwork film that is so obvious in its obliviousness as to who the audience is and what the film is and i and i, I think that's really what makes the movie for me at least
0: i, yeah, I like the broken think aspect of the just movie been a kind of you know a c-tier comedy if uh yeah if it would have just been the original cut, I mean, that's just me judging from the yeah. footage that I see. Like, I I do see some of those jokes might have landed better if it wasn't so obvious. But sometimes, a lot of times, I think the JB Smooth makes those jokes a lot better. There are
1: moments I can see, like if I look at the cinematography and look past like the way it's edited, I can see some sort of bizarre avant-garde movie mm-hmm. where it's it's framed in a more like slow, methodical fashion and like things are just weird. But at the same time, like, I, I don't know. Uh I, I kind of like the fact that one of the jokes is that is it is, in fact, a movie. Yeah. You know, like this got made.
0: Yeah, I kind of I, I think it's more interesting. It stands out more because of how just kind of how much of a mess it is.
1: Makes it more interesting as a whole. I think it's more fun to watch that way.
0: You talked about the the frame story a little bit and how that came from a sketch. Yes. Um, the frame story is something that always kind of breaks my brain because, you know, about towards the end, there's a scene that, I mean, I know it's a comedy film. They're just doing it to surprise me as the audience and it'd be funny as a surprise. But if you think about it from a structural standpoint, it boggles my brain because Bicky Shorty is there in the studio with the host of this show and it's like they're watching the sign your pity on the runny kind in real time but yeah, yeah. i don't know it just if you think trying to But if he's together. having an interview
1: with Pootie Tang and they're just watching a really long clip then like how how is it that he's fit into the movie
0: it's a, or is this jumping back and now you know he's getting some water and biggie shorty is there i i don't know it's baffling or
1: is this supposed to be a documentary and this was a moment where he was interviewing Biggie Shorty about, I don't know, but I like it. <laughs> I like I, I honestly, I, I, I enjoy that moment because he's just, he, it's, I, I don't know, I'm on Biggie Shorty's side in the funniest way. It's just like, what why is, why is he so angry about Pootie Tag? It's like, okay. <laughs> but speaking of that, um, I did not laugh harder about the whole concept of the character of Biggie Shorty than I did
0: this time. Her, her name, or like the fact that she dances out in the street. The corner. fact that
1: she just stands there dancing yeah. all day, waiting for her moment as a character <laughs> to arrive. It's like this metafictional nonsense uh. that's just brilliant. It's like she is there just waiting for the time in which her character has a point, yeah. and it's hilarious.
0: Yeah, it is. That that's another moment, and they they do it so much. Because I don't know. I, I'm guessing that her dancing on its own is just supposed to be funny but it's yeah. kind of killed because of the way it's cut together. Cause they try and make it look like, Oh, she's a good dancer. She, this is cool. Almost. Yeah. That, yeah, that and, is kind of weird. So it makes it like funny in an unintentional way. It's like this weird yeah. roundabout anti humor, humor, <laughs> the whole movie. Is so confusing and complicated. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I think it makes it great. I, I wrote down something that, um, Somehow this movie, I even though the gimmick of it is that you know he doesn't speak like a normal person. That's his whole character. I you know you would think that you would get tired of that over an hour and twenty minutes, but somehow it always makes me laugh. The nonsense yeah. that he says, it's it somehow that's kind of the I think what makes this movie somewhat almost work is that that is the, always yeah. enjoyable.
1: Dirty D, you a baddie, daddy lemma, tie, tabby chai it's 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 the delivery he says yeah. it like it's they're real words and you're almost confused like your brain is not working it's like where are the
0: subtitles kind of thing and it's, it's like, like
1: you're sitting there trying to translate it in your head it's just delivered <laughs> so well
0: it, it's pretty funny to me in the intro and this is something i don't know if i'd noticed this before but that like tlc-esque band is like saying his putty too but in like yeah. sing song in a very serious way yeah pretty great
1: yeah, the, the
0: TLC group. And they, they have a real name. I shouldn't just keep calling them that. I'm sure they worked hard. Know, yeah, the, uh, <laughs> But it's funny yeah, to me. That's... Oh, okay. They're called 702. Uh, here we 702. go. I look up the soundtrack. Uh, they an R&B girl group. Uh, yeah, that's the one. He'll sign your pity From like Houston. it's no thing. This has Revolution. a really good soundtrack, actually. Yeah. I think the music and booty Tang for the whole way through, pretty spot on.
1: 702,
0: as, as we've... Yes,
1: I love how serious they play that sequence.
0: Yeah, that's what it's, I mean.
1: It's it's like it's like he's in his own real music video, mm-hmm. and it's just it's just so dry. A lot of the other mov- the rest of the movie isn't as dry, and that's kind of I guess that's kind of the disconnect. There is some of the some of the moments are really just played straight, and other moments are played like. Here's the here's the punchline like this is this is where the laugh track would go.
0: Yeah, there was a moment I wrote down towards the end as uh, when when Putey Tang is just like kind of standing uncomfortably between the sheriff and, and the sheriff's daughter mm-hmm. and they're just like he's just kind of standing there staring not know what to do. Like the camera's left on him for so long. It's uh yeah, it doesn't really fit with the the style of the rest of the movie, but Mm-hmm. It is funny though. Oh, we we talked a little bit earlier just in the sake of, you know, talking about Puri Tang as a character. But um it, the 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 whole sequence of him making his hit song, I feel like it is another example of something just equally being hilarious but also a little too drawn out. I I really like the punchline to turn that noise down even though it was spoiled in in the previews for me. Um yeah. but Chris Rock and him just like kind of going crazy uh, over yeah. the song, I feel like goes on way too long.
1: It does go on a little long. It's great though. <laughs> it's great. Turn that noise down, damn it. Yeah,
0: that, that was a great punchline.
1: That's such a good one. Um,
0: I really like Daddy Tang. Uh, if since uh, you know, and, uh, speaking about Chris Rock as yes. well, every time Daddy Tang's on screen, uh, just how unfazed he is by Pooty Tang's talking and stuff, and, and how. Yeah. it it works really well and then just the perfection of it it, like
1: there's there's just some sort of perfect joke writing in the fact that after his mom dies two weeks later he dies by being mauled by a gorilla in a steel mill and he's the it's the third time a man has been mauled by a gorilla at that steel mill and i think what's what's capping it off like not just jb Smooth's narration there I think what's also capping it off is the guy in the background doing his job and not even looking once at Chris Rock being <laughs> beat up by a guy in a gorilla suit.
0: Yeah, it's commonplace at that work. Yeah, it just happens. Like
1: he doesn't look once, doesn't mm. call for help. Does it's, it's perfect.
0: And I'll just continue on the Chris Rock train here. I um I I like his first rant, you know, because they do that like Abbott and Costello bit him and um.
1: Yeah, Mario Joyner, he was a cast member on uh, the Chris Rock show.
0: Okay, yeah, it's a very, like, vaudevillian, like, classic comedy routine. Um, But I I really like Chris Rock's first rant uh, when when it comes to that bit. But I, so you I can do write feel it off like, on your taxes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh man, Booty Tang whipped ass so bad that you can write it off on your taxes. That's right. You got right here. Ass whipping number one. Ass whipping number two. Uh, this right here, you can't write that off. That's just getting beat up. Um, but it just it becomes so like formulaic after that, and they make the rants go on so long that it it makes it less enjoyable to hear him ranting on its own. Yeah. Because you're just waiting like, for Lacey to say the like, oh but that too?
1: I, yeah, I feel like they 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 played it a little too long for him to finally have the freak out in the diner where he's like, I
0: know I it do, ain't booty yeah. tang, it's duty tang. Like if yeah, that would have been I early do like, in the movie. I love the duty tang.
1: I I do too. I was wondering, like, uh yeah, about that, how that
0: but we could jump into the how has it Age now just to talk about uh the blackface. Uh yeah. Which yeah needs to be addressed. I wrote that down. It's something like we can't miss on this. Like yeah, kind of. It definitely makes this movie see, seem weird watching it now with David Cross doing that because it, it's yeah. also like kind of un, just unannounced. Like no one points it out or anything. Which I guess no. they were going for is that's the joke. You know, like it's obviously yeah. wrong. But I feel like yeah. that's something that that chip has kind of passed in the night for doing that now. Yeah, like uh,
1: I feel like. It could like it almost could have worked if it was actually brought up as some sort of aspect of what was done to people back in the 30s of taking an icon and turning it into a minstrel gag, just like taking away a person's voice and instead using it as propaganda. Mm-hmm. That's something that had been done in history, and it, it it but like they didn't hang a lantern on it at all. Instead, it was just hey,
0: here's the Woody wackiness. Just lets him go too. He doesn't like kick his ass.
1: Yeah, yeah, that too. That would have been nice. Beyond that, I I still I think I I wish he hadn't have had you know like colored up his face because yeah. his delivery of those lines as quote unquote Pootie Tang is
0: hysterical. Mm-hmm. I think it would have worked just as well, and it wouldn't have been this like yeah. You they know.
1: had a whole bunch of other white people that were not you know mm-hmm. like facing
0: their blackness of self. Yeah. And yeah, I don't yeah. know if that was David's Cross's idea or 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 what. I don't know. But yeah, definitely did not age well. Yeah. Um
1: when it comes to what didn't age well, um I I think I underst I I understand what they were going for. Like they didn't mean any harm when it came to I just feel like there was very little, if any, female representation in the movie. I feel like they were trying to be like, oh, yeah, respect women. But at the same time, they didn't really give a whole lot of them a very strong voice. Yeah. And so yeah, it it's... ended up making it more of a comedy for dudes.
0: Yeah. I mean, Wanda Sykes as Biggie Shorty was a great character, but I, I wish there was more to her other than just like being very enamored by Puri Tang and yeah. kind of being sassy yeah um yeah i think jennifer coolidge was funny uh, as irene yeah and she kind of had her own agency but ultimately was just another tool for like funny kind of sex jokes mm-hmm. um, but, um which i wanted to talk about and i'll just jump into this right now and we can get back to the house at aged but this movie is is an hour and 20 minutes and has like Three sex situations. So it's just it's very kind of sexy. I know that goes that that goes with the territory of the kind of black exploitation, the shaft character, get yeah. him with everyone. But uh just really funny. Also like how the montages uh like the little mini music videos in between always have the women just like all over Pootie Tang mm-hmm. and him just like seductively looking at the camera. Just for a movie this short, it's pretty funny how much of that yeah. they crammed in there.
1: Yeah, it's true. I don't mean Um, that as
0: like a bad, like a negative or a positive. It's just funny to me. No, yeah, I I agree. Um, Back to the age thing, I I will
1: give them one thing, and this is entirely Chris Rock's doing because he was the one that heralded a lot of, by pushing this style of comedy on his show, this is one of the most, especially for the time, definitely for the time, it was probably one of the most unique types of comedy featuring an all-black cast. Yeah. Like, at the time, pretty much if a studio was producing an all black cast comedy, it was going to be what they quote unquote called a black comedy. And it was going to star either Eddie Murphy or Martin Lawrence or have some that, or be something along the lines of a barbershop or a soul plane Mm -hmm. with a cookie cutter plot. And just like, it was written obviously like, Oh yeah, this is, this is written for the black people. And it, it, and it ended up, you know, like this one is one of the most unique, You know, types of like unique comedies out there in that sense, like with a cast as as diverse as it is.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And like the cast themselves have aged really well. All these people went on to do really great things in comedy. Uh, yeah. This was, I mean, Chris Rock was already a household name at this point, but um, yeah,
1: he was he was huge at the
0: time. But yeah, I mean, but like, JB's move was not really, and uh, nope. Dave Attell was really young when this uh, came out. Yeah,
1: so was John uh, Glazer. Did you notice him in the DJ booth? Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, Andy uh, Richter mm-hmm. didn't have a single line,
0: <laughs> and I, I'm not sure if Wanda Sykes had had a lot of work before this. But, she was I mean, a cast
1: member on his show. Okay. That was pretty much it. And yeah. she had she had done stand up.
0: Also, Kristen Bell at the in one of the very long ending kind of yep uh, sequences. That was something I had missed last time.
1: But yeah, I mean, then you had like a little yeah cameo of Todd Barry, mm-hmm. and then there was and then some of the other people like J D Williams um, played Froggy he had a had a really big role on the Wire, and uh, Reggie Cathy as Dirty D also big. Uh, you know, like actor on the wire, as well as like he's got a h- huge filmography nowadays. He's been on everything. I mean, of course, we already talked about him. We got you got David Cross in there. He was already pretty big, but I think this was right around the time—no, two years before Arrested Development hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and apparently Lance Brother yeah. has, you know, continued his career as a writer and not as much yeah. as a performer. But hopefully, one day he'll get to reprise. Yeah. Pooty world. Pooty two. Pooty
1: two. Pooty tootie. Tootie tang.
0: That's it, it, what I want to see. It could just be Duty Duty tang.
1: Duty tang. Yeah, and it could be spelled D E U X. Uh-huh. D I E. Duty tang. He wrote for SNL for a year. Huh. What a time. In 2014.
0: Oh, there was a a moment that uh I I thought was uh, was genuinely pretty funny. Is like you know when when the tide has turned for Pootie Tang and they're showing on TV all the bad stuff happening because of you know Lector Corp owning his name, and then they just show the guy like ranting about him completely in Spanish with no subtitles. Yeah, I thought that was pretty yeah. funny. I,
1: I I I liked that one, and I I liked the uh, I like the delivery of the um, the Islander lady. Because she just she I don't know she was talking about it, I'm like I don't know she just pulled it off she sounded like a, somebody off the street talking about <laughs> booty tank it was great
0: this movie had low enough budget I wonder if they straight up just asked people in the street hey can you say this
1: well I was um, I was watching some clips I couldn't actually find the show I really wanted to watch actual episodes of the Chris Rock show but I found clips and wanted and he did do a lot of street interviews on mm-hmm. his show. Like, there was one where he tried, uh, this was pretty funny at the time, um, I guess it was 97, 98, he was uh, walking around, like, local, like, uh, like middle-class white neighborhoods trying to get people to sign a petition to change their street name to Tupac Shakur Boulevard. Uh-huh. Their reactions were hysterical, especially as angry as they sounded, by the end of the, the interviews, they ended up signing the petition. <laughs> but anyways, like, and so th- there is a history of, of them knowing how to interact with People on the street and just getting the right information out of them. And so, like, I, I imagine they were—they probably did just guerrilla tactics. Just go up on the street. Mm-hmm. the 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 camera, uh, the camera work looks entirely different for those sequences. Yeah, like,
0: it's just a cheap handheld camera.
1: Exactly. And so, like, it doesn't look like their film camera with a filter. Mm-hmm. But uh,
0: I, I can't think of too but, many yeah. other big moments that I need to talk about because. Yeah, I, I, it's a short movie. There's only a handful of bits that I feel like really work, but as a whole, it's a bizarre, interesting movie. Um, what do
1: you think of the origin story? You know, like the fact that he's a baby. As a baby,
0: he couldn't ever talk right. I thought that what I got from that is just you know he he just yeah this is just him he is born like this. Uh they, they said the scientists and doctors looked at him and were baffled i was i was curious as a, I, at first
1: i was wondering if that was like created in the post editing situation but then there's sequences of him as a kid so i i don't i'm 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 genuinely i
0: think it's a funny curious lecture. as to
1: what was made in the edit and what wasn't but uh-huh. at the same time
0: i think it, it's a funny dumb line to be like scientists looking at this kid just cuz he talks weird yeah.
1: i just i just love that newspaper where it's just with this little baby smiling, this step of town. town. <laughs> I also love the line at the at the start where he's like, "He was born in a small town outside of Gary, Indiana, called Chicago." Yeah. The concept of Dirty D being very dirty, it reminds me of something from either a really late Mel Brooks movie or a really early Zucker Abraham's movie.
0: It's really dumb, but yeah, in that kind of un- unashamedly dumb way. Yeah. I, I I think the best part about that is when uh froggy sneaks like a little piece of dirt into prison to give him yeah but yeah uh I, I think we've tippy towed this this day this uh yeah I don't know I don't speak fluent pooty. I guess before we wrap this up I do have to ask what is
1: your favorite Pootie tang line delivery sequence?
0: I probably it wasn't even him saying it. I, I, well, I talked about the capuchao right at the camera, and I like that a lot. Yeah. I like the him uh, just shrugging his shoulders saying sadate at the camera. But I think I think my favorite is uh, at the end of the PSA where he's like the narrator, just like "cause you're okay, sadate Yeah, that's great. I
1: I, I like I, my my favorite. Yeah, probably in the car wash after he washes dirty D, it just looks at the camera and shrugs says <laughs> sadate Either that one or the Sadate right after that. Whenever he like, whenever they're confronted by David Tell's character, and then he.
0: Oh, also, also I, I was genuinely laughing pretty hard with him singing with, uh, with Missy Elliott. Just how confident he is singing this R and B bootyisms.
1: This it's it's a it's a crazy crazy movie. I completely understand audience members listening to us right now if you do not like this movie, but I also. I'm completely there with you if you love it to death.
0: I don't think it's possible to watch the whole thing without smiling once to him saying one of these nonsense phrases. Yeah. Like, I understand. It's a bad movie. We could all admit that. But Mm -hmm. Sadate, it's just funny. Yeah. It's just... Oh, yeah. It's broken brain brain poetry.
1: I was going to talk about this for a little, like, just a quick little conversation piece. Okay. How do you feel this goes into the? uh, This is in a bizarre category of comedy films, as in non SNL sketch shows Uh turning a sketch into a movie. That I mean, uh, Kids in the Hall, Brain Candy, Mm Pootie Tang, Run Ronnie Run. Yeah. Um, you could arguably put Tim and Eric's billion-dollar movie into that category, even though it's not. Um, but like it's these movies that didn't end up making much money. Yeah, the cr- uh, some of them at least I'm pretty sure. I think I think they're proud of Brain Candy, but some of them like Run Ronnie Run, they really regret that movie.
0: I mean, I guess we'll exclude Monty Python from that because like they're most known for their movies.
1: Yeah. Uh, but like yeah, these
0: forgotten. Yeah, and-, and we'll obviously exclude the the Zucker uh, Abram thing too because. Also, more known for the movies than their show stuff, but I guess their show was not a sketch show per se. Um, yeah, yeah, I I would say Pootie Tang one of the better ones out of those. Also, I I guess Bruno, are we throwing that in there too? Bruno Borat.
1: Well, I I would probably maybe the first one, maybe maybe actually all three. Ollie G Ollie mm-hmm. G into House Borat and Bruno all kind of come out of his sketch show. Yeah,
0: uh, I mean I think. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to go back to uh to Borat, but Bruno might be a better movie because like throughout than Puri Tang. Uh, a lot of those movies are much more consistent than Puri Tang and much less of a yeah. mess. A lot of those other you know teams kind of got to see their vision through. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I've, I've never heard Chris Rock kind of talk about this. I, I would be curious to hear like if he was proud of Puri Tang given that he kind of was there for Final Cut. He makes jokes about Pootie Tang. I know that he talked about it in an interview recently
1: for his new Saw reboot movie, Spiral. Yeah. That he was doing dramatic work in one scene and then like completely ruined it with by quoting Pootie Tang at <laughs> the end of it. And then he said a couple years ago, or last year actually, because it was obviously a quarantine interview um, at on the Jimmy Fallon show, He said that he was having a conversation with Kanye West and Kanye told him that Pootie Tang was the greatest film of the 21st century or the most important, not the greatest, the most important film of the 21st century. And Chris Rock did not know what to say. I feel like him
0: from a strong man.
1: Yeah. I feel like him and Wanda Sykes are kind of like on the both the same page. They're like. They'll laugh about Pootie Tang, but they, they they don't they don't like talk about Pootie Tang. Yeah. Wanda Sykes just picks on Conan O'Brien for bringing up Pootie Tang every time she had, she talks to him, and and Conan O'Brien will always defend Pootie Tang because he thinks it has the greatest film title it in Making history. <laughs> it really does. I completely Me- agree with
0: millions that. Millions of dollars went to a movie called Pootie Tang. <laughs> but uh, I think so we'll, we'll leave it there um listeners we, we two weeks from now we will be back and we will be talking about the much loved uh I, I guess not really talking about the whole franchise but mainly focusing on the first movie of this franchise uh meet the parents the ben stiller
1: it's a very very popular film that made a lot of money and we're about to break down like what's the deal with that movie yeah a I- lot of comedy comedy people it's kind of a shrug-off movie. But to the rest of the world, this is the greatest thing that happens in sliced bread.
0: I think it's a you really know? funny movie. I just don't understand what about it got so many people into the theater. But uh, we're going to talk about it and find out, pull up some data yeah. and, and see what we dig up.
1: I'm kind of on the eh. There's, a, there's some moments. Uh, aspect. I'll t- I'm looking forward to talking about it is all yeah, I'm say. to
0: say. Maybe I remember it more being better than it really is we'll find out I, I like ben stiller i like owen wilson they're funny people yeah. there were
1: moments as a as a youngster when i watched the movie that genuinely frustrated me and so i'm looking forward to seeing it again in 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 old man eyes and seeing if they uh if they still if it still frustrates me or if suddenly i'm just like i like this now because
0: i'm old so we have that coming down uh if you want to reach out to us go uh Send an email to gagrealpod at gmail.com or go to the website uh, agagrealpod.com. Check out our Facebook page or uh, Twitter page. And I think that'll about do it. A few more episodes from now, we will be ending this season, which uh, means we'll take a little break. Just a little one. We'll, we'll, we'll keep you long. informed down the road as we get to that. So have a good one. Sa'date.
1: town. It's over now.
0: Sing.